Welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights. My name is Matthew Boynton. I'm joined, as always, by Daniel Bellamy. How are you, Dan? Great. Always great. Uh, and this is a very special episode because we're joined by not one, but two guests. We have Osaka foreign respondent, <laughs> foreign respondent, foreign correspondent, Owen. How are you doing, Owen? I'm pretty good today. And we have spicy beer fan, Neil. How are you, Neil? Pretty good. Pretty good. Whenever we have one of these episodes with guests, I always feel like we don't spend enough time getting to know each other. So I have a question for the room that I thought might, you know, be a window into our souls a little bit. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite annual celebration or festival? Why don't we start with you, Dan? Uh, I'm, I'm probably the biggest Halloween fan that I know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I love Halloween. I was 100% expecting you to go for the Wadsworth Blue Tip Festival. <laughs> That's a good one, but, it, you know, it's, it's second place to my love of Halloween. What is it that you love about Halloween so much? I love the costumes. I love the candy. I love the spookiness. Mm-hmm. I love it all. Okay, like I said, probably the, the definitely the number one Halloween fan in this room. What uh, would you say is your all-time greatest Halloween costume? Uh, I think Sadako Sad- Sad- from two years ago from The Ring. was uh, That was pretty good. That was pretty good. You even had the television that you were crawling out of yeah, trying to grab a beer. Pretty great. All right. So number one, world's number one Halloween fan. Owen, how about you? What's your favorite annual celebration? Probably Easter. Easter. Um, mainly because of the eggs. Okay. I'm a big fan of a chocolate-shaped egg. No, egg-shaped chocolate is very good. So, um, or even a chocolate-shaped egg. Yeah, whatever. That was good. Yeah, um, yeah, Easter probably because of that. Said so nothing about the religion, but the the eggs do it for me a lot. I I don't actually know the answer to this, but in America, Dan, do you have uh, egg-shaped chocolates at Easter? Yeah, of course. Yeah. just like the Bible calls for. <laughs> like big ones, though, or like. One. All sizes, the hollow thing. Whatever you want. Yeah. Is there something Cheap hidden ones, within, ones? within it as well? Uh, generally, no, I don't think so. Right. Is there a prize? You get a prize in your eggs. Yeah. For any yeah. non-British listeners, there might be Owen. Do you want to explain what an Easter egg is in the UK context? So usually it's uh, a lot of milk chocolate, and then right in the middle there might be some Smarties or uh some other kind of it's uh, just more chocolate more chocolate yeah okay. so it's it's the best i mean if you've got chocolate on chocolate that's what you want yeah yeah, yeah. no I'm, I'm not I, I can get behind this do you have Cadbury's cream eggs in America? no i mean i'm sure they exist there but no not widespread too unhealthy wow. even for americans <laughs> <laughs> someone someone's deep frying them somewhere right oh, now. oh so you have been to scotland <laughs> uh neil what would you say my favorite annual celebration is uh, you look like a Christmas guy to me, Matt. No, yeah, you're wrong there. Festivus. Uh, Festivus for the rest of us. St. Andrew's Day. Oh, <laughs> we're getting very pejorative. I, I want to hear about you, though. What is your favorite annual celebration or well, festival? I think anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big Valentine's Day guy. Right. You know, mm. uh, put some Barry White on, light some candles, and uh, summon Barry White back from the dead. It is the most romantic day of the year. Yeah. Would you describe a typical Valentine's Day for yourself? Uh, I like to put on my Halloween costume, yep. uh, carve a pumpkin, and do some Halloween shit. Okay. That sounds... Uh, Took a turn. Very romantic. Encroaching on my territory. Um, yeah. Between the two of you, I mean, it's hard to say who the number one Halloween guy is. I will say only one of you is currently in costume. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not you, Dan. I didn't realize that, that we were doing that today. Neil, you're the only, uh, the second guest ever mm-hmm. to uh, show up for the recording 
in costume. Although, I don't know if Max uh, stripped to the waist. Was that a costume or was that just how he likes to record pod? I think that was an intimidation technique. Okay, so the first guest ever to, uh, to appear in costume. Um, and you are Mr. Halloween, right? Mm. Mr. Halloween. Yeah, it's on my uh, uh, foreign registration card, so yeah. All right, so Neil Halloween joining us today. Thank you. Um, you. Enough about you. Let's hear about me. My favorite uh, annual festival celebration is going to be Guy Fawkes Night. And before you ask, no, it's not about the anti-Catholic propaganda. <laughs> Although I am it's a fan just of that. About that. that. <laughs> I'm a fan of that, but for completely separate reasons. Culture, we I just think that in our modern days, there's, there aren't enough effigies being burnt. We need more effigies being burnt, mm-hmm. Neil. If you were to burn an effigy of somebody, who would it be? Uh, kind of sprung that one on you. Yeah, wow. You weren't expecting expecting, expecting the effigy question. John Stamos. Uh, he self effigized himself, I guess, this week. Uh, but uh, probably Boris Johnson, man. That guy sucks. Mm, that would um, be quite a large big effigy. effigy yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'd burn for a long time. You have a nice night around that. And a, a kind of thatched roof of a, a haircut as yeah, well. That would that would go up pretty well. Owen, effigy? Probably myself. Oh. I think, you know, mm. to gain power and strength from the burning mm. of the effigy, I think mm. it's, uh, you have to be important and famous to be an effigy in the first place. I'm <laughs> famous in my own mind. So. What could be more famous than the man who burned himself in effigy? That's very Nietzschean of you. And also built the effigy as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of effigy, uh, effort to build an effigy as well. Yeah. Dan? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to divert course a little bit. I would like to burn in effigy the Tachikawa tax office. <laughs> they don't listen to this, do they? Well, let's find out. <laughs> yeah, I would build a little model tax office uh, mm. and I would set fire to it. Mm. I like the level of planning that you thought about constructing the tax office, the various different... Yeah, you can't just write tax office on a piece of paper and burn yeah. it. It's, where's the fun in that? So, no, it's in some paper mache. Kind of. I mean, this bar Plan is, your escape route yeah. and everything. If not, nothing, if not famous for its dioramas, this bar. So if anyone could, you guys could. Yeah. Well, not me, but yeah, someone could. You could pay someone. Yeah. You get a very accurate uh, effigy. I don't know if it's still an effigy, if it's of a building. I think an effigy has to be a person. So Would maybe you the, the boss of effigies? The, yes. <laughs> I think boss. I am uh, Mr. Effigy over here. Uh, very interesting, uh, very interesting answers all around. What's yours? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say I would burn in effigy Gandhi. Moving on. (laughs) We're not just here to talk about who we would burn in effigy. Uh, we're here to, uh, celebrate beer. Is that right, Dan? That's right. What is the beer that we're going to be celebrating this week? Today, we're going to celebrate Primo Diablo from Heretic. What can you tell me about this brewery or this beer? So, you know, like a lot of things on this podcast, I can't remember if I actually read this or if I dreamt it or made it up, if Mm. I hallucinated it. But I'm pretty sure. So this is a double IPA made with habanero peppers. And the base beer is Evil Twin, which is their normal, uh, Heretic's normal double IPA, which is a great beer. And then on top of that, they added some uh, habanero peppers. What I read, or what I imagine I read, or maybe it was a fever dream, but I, I heard that they found there was a university maybe near them or whatever, but they uh, someone had developed a not spicy habanero pepper. And habanero peppers have a really nice kind of fruity, sweet flavor to them uh, if you can get past the heat. 
So they ended up using a bunch of these not spicy habanero peppers along with a bunch of spicy habanero peppers right. to get more of the, the habanero kind of fruity flavors and I guess half as much heat as they would if they'd used a f- the full load of spicy peppers. Interesting. Yeah. So it's going to be up in the, the habanero quotient, but, uh, but still fairly spicy as well, yep. I guess. Well, why don't we uh, dive straight into the beer? Mm. Right, welcome back. Before we talk about the beer, quickly, quick fire rounds. What's the spiciest thing you've ever eaten, Dan? Uh, I had something. I was in Thailand and went on a snorkeling trip, and they brought lunch for everybody. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was some kind of meat and an egg over rice. And uh, it was insanely hot. It was really delicious, but it was insanely hot. But I was on a boat snorkeling all day and there was nowhere like there no this not this story's not going to go bad i have a lot of stories to go bad in that direction <laughs> but no this was just like there was no other option to eat but like we were snorkeling all day we were exhausted and extremely hungry uh it was super delicious but man it was hot mm. sounds tasty how about you Ian? spiciest thing you've ever eaten well generally when i was a kid my stepdad loved curry and he didn't realize that kids don't like curry, so we had to eat curry a lot. Right. And all of those curries were... Sounds like paradise. They were, for, for you maybe, but when you were eight years old, they were hot. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an interesting experience to kind of have to grin in. It was that, you know, that 80s level of parenting, say, where you had to eat the food like that. So yeah, very hot kind of various curries, madrasses and those kind of things. Mm. Do you like a madras? Did this you, is what we got. Did you compliment him on his cooking to curry favor? <laughs> Of course, Fire. I did. Neil. Of course. Spiciest thing you've ever eaten. <laughs> uh, it was actually um, around your house, Matt. You gave me some some of your homemade uh, like um, spicy sauce, hot sauce, yeah, hot sauce. And um, it was so hot and spicy that it gave me the hiccups. Yeah. And you thought that shit was hilarious, but I thought it was permanent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to see that it wasn't that hilarious. <laughs> Until recently, you're right. Uh, I think the spiciest thing I have ever eaten was probably in when I was in university in Edinburgh, and we went to a local curry house, and I, without realizing it, I accidentally ordered the spiciest thing on the menu. Was it a fowl? I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it was called. Was it, it was a Nepalese restaurant. It was not fowl. It was delicious. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I wasn't really that much of a fan of spicy food. I couldn't eat that, that much spice. But um, I did know that once you start eating something spicy, you can't stop. You just have to power through it. So all of my friends were enjoying their meal and laughing and talking. <laughs> and I was just sitting there, sweating bullets, my eyes bright red. I, I think I had turned the color of a beetroot, just shoveling this curry into my mouth. Um, I should have known it was going to be hot when, as I was lifting the first spoon to my lips, all of the kitchen staff came out of the kitchen to look at me. <laughs> but uh, eventually, as I kept eating it, I kind of broke through this barrier. And it was like surfacing out of... Uh, a warm swimming pool into a cool night air. And ever since then, I've been able to eat some fairly spicy food. Hmm. Was that you your, through time? Was that your gateway spice then? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe did, it was. did it change you? Because you're an absolute spice fiend these days. Gateway spice being the sixth spice girl who was... Uh, <laughs> who was <laughs> anyway, enough about that. Why don't we talk about this beer? Do you enjoy spicy beer, Daniel Bellamy? <clears throat> Uh, of, you know, there's not a lot of them around. Of the ones I've had, yeah, I've had some pretty good ones. I don't, 
if if I was concerned about the provenance of a spicy beer, I wouldn't drink it. So I probably haven't exposed myself to bad spicy beers. We've had Baird's Smoke and Fire. That's an excellent beer. Yeah. That's a great beer. Uh, and this one. I'm not sure what else I've had. Oh, no. I did have uh, Ballast Point Habanero Sculpin IPA. Right. And I couldn't drink it. It was too hot. Ooh. It might have been good, but I got about a quarter of the way through the bottle, and I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Tell us what you think of this particular beer, then. Uh, this one, I find, is much more balanced than that Habanero Sculpin. And um, we talked a little bit about the fruity flavors of habanero peppers before. And I feel like when you drink this, like, you, you first of all, you get a bit of the aroma, the fruity flavors and the aroma. And then when you drink it, I find that you, you taste the fruity flavors right up front. And then right after that, the heat comes in. So if you're kind of paying attention to it, you get that fruity flavor right off the bat. And then the heat comes in and then the heat kind of lingers in the back of your throat and overrides everything else. Uh, so... It's uh, it's definitely hotter than I would have expected, mm. uh, but not in a way that I think pushes it past the point of me not enjoying it. Yeah, like a, a feral chimp in a choke collar. Yeah. It's aggressive That's, but restrained. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it all, all the heat comes right at the beginning, but then it, it stops at a fairly reasonable level. So I think. Shame you couldn't fit that on the chalkboard. Well, maybe I should try tomorrow. Um, I could make a special card. Uh, Owen, what do you think of the beer? I'm not really the biggest fan of spicy beers, but this, it's kind of got a warmth to it. Mm. It's like it's the warmth you get from maybe drinking a whiskey or something yeah. like that, but it kind of sustains in the back of your throat. So I could feel my lips kind of like had a little bit of feel of the heat from that. And mm. like on a, on a kind of a, a cold day like today, the beginning of October, it's quite a nice feeling to have after... It's been slightly cold outside, so yeah, it's, it's definitely not something I would choose to drink normally, but it's definitely something that I'm glad I tried for the first time. Indeed. On a cold day like today, the heat of your lips is a very pleasant feeling. Neil, what do you think of this beer? Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, beers with habanero in them, and um, I agree with Owen. It's like the warmth of a whiskey or your own mother. And uh, I, basically, the thing I would liken it to most is uh, Atomic Pumpkin. Okay. Um, which was a beer that I had last year. Um, the whole year. The whole year. Old, yeah. old of last year. When you say last year, you mean the last calendar year. The last, You've been the last that 12 year. months. Do you, do you want to explain the, the story behind that to anyone who might not be aware of it? Yeah. So uh, as, uh, as we may have uh, touched on already in this podcast, uh, I am the, one of the biggest Halloween fans around this table. Yeah. Um, You're certainly in the top two <laughs> in this room. Absolutely. And uh, last year, um, and the previous year, actually, there was a, a beer that came out from um, New Belgium, yep. I think, mm -hmm. based on uh, uh, Voodoo Ranger. Yep. Uh, and it's called Atomic Pumpkin. And unfortunately, it's not been imported into Japan this year that I'm aware of. But uh, last year, I managed to secure about 50 cans of it. Uh, you, you went on a video game-esque fetch quest. Across Tokyo That's to gather right. up as many of these as you could. Yeah, yeah. Not just Tokyo. You went all the way down to Yokohama, right? This was a cross-prefectural quest That's to right, gather yeah. this beer. I scoured Kanto for as many of these cans as I could. And uh, uh, I made them last an entire year uh, in my fridge, um, one after the other. And they, it was very similar sort of fa flavor profile, I guess, to this Prime Diablo that we we're discussing today. Mm. In so much as it was brewed with habanero. Right. Um the, the difference was that uh, this, this prime habanero, primo habanero um, 
the habanero comes on quite strong straight away. Right. Um, uh, and it's a little spicier, uh, and it's also a little higher uh, percentage, I think. Yeah, the, uh, the Atomic Pumpkin also had pumpkin in it, right? And then a few different kind of Halloween-y spices. Exactly. I think. So it was a, a more rounded experience yeah. compared to this one. If you're making a beer last a case of 50 beers, last mm. for a whole year, mm. you've got to be fairly careful how you pass all those out, right? You can't just be crushing them before you head to the office in the morning. <laughs> so what kind of occasion... What kind of occasion would cause you to crack open a can of one of those precious beers? Uh, every Saturday, no matter what else was going on in my life. Okay. Uh, with a with a little um, Halloween packet of um, Haribo. Right. And possibly a lollipop and I'd light a candle as well. Now, uh, well, basically one a week. One okay. A week, roughly. Uh, and sometimes I'd uh, forget or whatever. Sounds like you had quite the ritual worked out. Would you light the candle and, and, and eat the Haribo before lifting the glass to your lips? Would you hold it up to salute the uh, the pumpkin that was looking over you in your room? I had a yeah, I had a, yeah, it's an order to it, absolutely. Um, yeah, sounds extremely good. Mm. Yeah, I loved it every minute of it, man. Um, I'm sad it's not here this year, but never mind. If I had to choose a beer that I was going to drink every day. Or every night, every day, every week yeah. for a year. I think it would be a heretic one. I think I could drink shallow grape porter every week. I could have a glass of that, no matter no choice. matter what the weather, no matter what the occasion. That that's a, an all year round beer for me. What about either of you, Owen or Dan? If you were going to make a case of fifty beers last for a year, what beer would you choose? I can actually probably see the beer I'd like. There's a loop, your, the Lupin Nectar by Wire Market. I think that's an incredible beer. I think maybe you, you've talked about it on the podcast before. Mm. The Wire Market Brewing. It's very, yeah. like, it's 8%. I think it's 8%, yes. right? But it's very drinkable. And it's a beer, like, I like a beer you can get in most places. So you can yeah. get that in Seiju Ishii. Very flavorsome. Um, yeah, and it, it's very refreshing as well. And it's the price, you know, the price point, obviously, if you're going to drink a beer every day, you know, like, it has to be kind of affordable as well. So yeah, That's that, true, yeah. yeah. But don't bring rules of logic <laughs> into this. But also the, um, the, your, the tropical IPA you had. Um, tropical Crush. Tropical Crush as well is, they're on the same level for me. Okay, that's mm. the answer we were looking for. Correct. Shut it down, shut down the discussion. <laughs> Dan? I would drink Deschutes Jubal Ale. Okay. I would drink that year-round. That's another seasonal beer, much like Atomic Pumpkin. It's Am a I, Christmas beer. Right, so Mr. Halloween has now decided that he wants a <laughs> Christmas beer year-round. I feel uh, you're slipping down the rankings. No, that's not possible. Uh, Jubilee is great, though. We had it in last year. We're getting it again this year. I love that beer. Uh, I would drink that every day. It's great. Can I just elucidate? You can cut this in somewhere. This is not... Uh, I didn't love uh, pumpkin, uh, Atomic Pumpkin because it was a Halloween beer. I loved it because it was delicious. Okay. A nice crisp start, and the habanero added to the to a, a nice finish to it, and uh, you know the, the pumpkin flavors also came on fairly immediately. Uh, uh, contrast to Primo Diablo, um, which it, it comes on all at once. The <clears throat> habanero. Um, it, uh, yeah, the spiciness. They're, they're, they're both really good beers, yeah. but they are different, aren't they? Uh, yeah. As I think we've said, the spiciness for this beer does come all at the front pretty much right away but it doesn't get ridiculous um and you can taste the ipa on the tail as well i Mm. think it's um it's been a surprisingly popular beer in here is the last thing i will say about it we had a run of four or five people coming in here this evening all ordering it one after the other 
So I don't know if it's a beer for everyone. When people come in and order it, if they don't seem to know what it's about, I will always check with mm. them. Hey, man, mm. this is a spicy beer. Is that okay? You've got a you've got a sign up. We've got a sign up saying spicy. Um, but some people come here specifically to drink this beer. It is very appealing to some people. There's no mess around shit, but it's delicious. Why don't we move on to pairings? So every week when we try one of the beers, we also spin the wheel of pairings to find out which one of eight different categories we will be pairing the beer with. Although, of course, it can't be either of the two from the two most recent episodes, which were, of course, then video game and TV and movies. All right. So neither of those. Let's find out what it's going to be. <coughs> Number six, activity. Okay, interesting. Oh, I got something. Now, Dan's going to go tubin. Don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's already got that tubin look on his face. But uh, if you were to be to doing, doing something, doing anything really, um, whilst enjoying a nice glass of this Primo Diablo, mm. what would that thing be? Can I ask a question first? Absolutely. Obviously, I've listened to the podcast before and often you talk about tubin. Yes. Um, is it before tubin or after tubin or during tubin? It's up to you. It's all up to you. Okay. What is tubin? I mean, why not all three? What is tubin? It's a lion in a rubber ring and floating down the river whilst drinking a beer. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I could have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this beer would work well with any kind of like sports basically because right. afterwards not during because obviously you might be a bit of a kick um, when you're doing it but I think there's a it perks <laughs> you up a bit so if you're if you know you've been running or cycling or playing rugby or or anything like that it might give you that kind of boost that you need afterwards just to get your your head in the get get just get your energy up a bit I think mm. it's got I definitely feel a bit more awake after drinking this than I felt before it all right, so you're you're a rugby player and you're coming off after a hard eighty minutes, and they have a uh, like a Gatorade cooler full of Primo Diablo on <laughs> yeah. the sidelines. Are you going to be crushing a few paper? Probably, cups yeah. If it's if if I played eighty minutes, I haven't played eighty minutes in about fifteen years. But yeah, I, I definitely have to. Uh, I I mean, after playing after playing rugby, you can drink incredible amounts of beer. So you could probably drink any beer, basically. So on your way to the hospital, you'll be having a yeah, yeah on the way to yeah this. to get whatever injury I've done to myself that day patched up. I'll be you know also it might be quite good for taking away the pain, right? So it might be deep, yes, yeah. yeah, deep heat, yeah, too. It's got uh, it's got that cold heat to it, doesn't mm. it? Mm. How about either of you, Dan or Neil? I feel like this is the beer that you're going to drink uh, in order to get up the courage to go and like punch out your rival. Turning the tables in like like an eighties kind of teen movie way. Mm. The like, developers are going to knock down the rec hall. Yeah, <laughs> and then you you go and punch out like the developer's son, who's yeah. like a real dick. Yeah, like he's been owning you the whole movie, yeah. and now this is like the, the he beat you in the ski jumping contest. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like the moment. You know, so, sometimes that moment comes after you've you've saved the development that you saved your homes from the developers or whatever, so, or the sale, the mall, or the community center. Uh, but sometimes that's the turning point, right? Mm. Where you, you get the courage together, you go and, and punch, uh, what's his name? Dean. Chad Fistcorn. Chad, <laughs> Chad Fistcorn. <laughs> you get up the courage to go and punch him in the face in front of the girl that you both like, obviously. Right. Uh, this is the beer it. that you drink before that. This, this sounds like the helps plot you. to Mallrats 4. 
Is it four they're on now? Why not? I'm pitching now. Yeah. I also so like the image that, yeah, the, these movies usually star like 14 year olds. So there's a 14 year old <laughs> <laughs> crushing this double IPA. <laughs> Is that going to be a problem with America? Yeah, they live in a liberal society. Okay. Uh, this could be anywhere in the world. Doesn't right. It doesn't have to be in the States. Probably France yeah. in that case. Yeah. Interesting choice. How about you, Neil? Well, you think I'm going to say something like summing a demon or something like that. I'm not. Uh, I didn't think that at all. <laughs> <laughs> a barbecue, basically. Uh, okay. Uh, summary, I think. The, the heat. Summer. Heat. Fire. Summer. Heat. Fire. Yep. Spicy barbecue. Do you like barbecue sausage in the summer? Yeah. Effigies. Effigies. <laughs> we come full circle. And the circle is complete. All right, so you're, you're at a barbecue. Um, <clears throat> what's your ideal location of this barbecue? You're going to be down by the river. You're going to be in somebody's garden. You're going to be park, on a river. On a river, Tubin. Mm-hmm. The Tubin barbecue. <laughs> Tubicue. Well, they all kind of just flow effortlessly into one another, and I think this beer would... Much uh, like Tubin. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that. Interesting. The summer. Yeah, I, I think the summer is key. To that one, isn't it? Barbecuing is a, a summer activity, mm. at least in Japan. Uh, who here is familiar with the Wall of Death? Well, like the vertical motorcycle. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and that's what? right. I'm not. Me you too. have a, a, a kind of cylinder of wooden wall uh, with a slope leading up to it. And you start riding your motorbike around and around. Oh, okay. Is this and something you, you've done? You, you're you, describing it like you've had personal experience. And you, uh, you generate so much centrifugal force that you're able to ride your motorbike, your dirt bike, horizontally around the edge of this, uh, this cylinder. Yeah. Uh, you reach the absolute apex. You're flying around. You're at the top of this wall. You pop open the visor on your helmet. You grab a glass from the crowd. Mm. What's going to be in that glass? It's Primo Diablo. Oh, it could be nothing else. So whilst completing a wall of death challenge, I think is, is going to be my choice. How do you die, though? Well, you don't, hopefully. Right? It's the it's, wall of death. It's the, that's, that indicates how dangerous it is. I mean, you're lying on your sedate tube watching the world go by. I'm yeah. a, a thrill-seeking death angel who, uh, who lives by the seat of his pants. Not really a death angel, then, if you're I, living, are you? I think uh, this is how anybody who knows us would describe our personalities. <laughs> Life angel. Wow, it's, yeah. uh, yeah. it sounds like quite the weekend we have planned here, <laughs> gentlemen. Um, there let's are do f- it all, man. Yeah, let's do it all. Why not? We've got, enough, we've got a keg enough, haven't we? It is the Halloween weekend coming up, so uh, it sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting to me. Mm. Uh, speaking of big weekends... Oh, and I mentioned earlier that you have a field report that you'd like to share with us from a pretty big weekend that you enjoyed recently in Osaka. Do you want to give us the background on that trip? So every year, myself and uh, Neil, who's a current guest as well, and uh, three other friends of ours uh, take a, a trip to Osaka to go to USJ, Universal Studios Japan. And we often wear uh, um, costumes when we go to the park. And what, what was this year's costume? This year's costume was the one that um, Neil is wearing right now Sporting. is Ghostbusters. Right. Um, so we all wore um, Ghostbusters costumes in the park and lots of people kind of walked by us and said, oh, Ghostbusters, da. Yeah. And kind of some woman was staring at us for a long time and she finally pl- plucked up the courage and says, shouted at us, who are you going to call? And we all, we all shouted Ghostbusters in mm. return. So we it's do that every year in... Some t- we've done lots of different costumes before. Street Fighter has been done and the A-Team in the past. 
So this year we went and we did it as Ghostbusters. But before we went to USJ, we sampled some of the craft beer places in Osaka, which has got quite a big scene there. So yeah, we went to this year. We went to two places. One was called the Umeneko Stand, which is one run by Derilia Beer, mm. and that was really great. Actually, two years ago, I saw Sakamichi's Oniko in Colch there, and right. I got, um, which was a bit of a shock to see that in the middle of Osaka. Mm. And this year, we um, went there, and when I when I saw Oniko in Colch there before, we did take out. Um, but this year we actually stayed there and had a few drinks and they were very, very friendly. We met a, a astrophysicist right. and a someone who works for JAXA, the you know Japanese um, space mm. agency. So it's quite an interesting clientele and everyone was very uh, polite and we sampled some kind of craft beer. But yeah, that's a great place. So if you're ever in Osaka, it's a standing bar. So it's very good for conversation and very people mm. are very friendly, especially the staff are really friendly there as well. And the other place we went to um, is a place called Kamikaze, which is kind of a bigger place and has a lot of craft beer from around Japan. Um, it's really, really good atmosphere is out there as well. They've got a really good fried eggplant as well, which is great. Fried aubergine, which is really, really good. And then, but they're all in Osaka. There's also um, uh, Minoa's uh, beer belly as well, right. which is really, really good as well. Which is um, we didn't go there. Great burgers, great burgers, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a good. Seems like feel like this is a thriving scene there as well. Yeah. Do you think like the craft beer scene in Osaka is significantly different from the one in Tokyo, or is it basically the same? I feel like there people are more kind of approachable. Maybe people right. are wanting to talk to other people. When we went to um, the the first place, the Umineko um, stand, people were very like really trying to engage with us. Whereas I think maybe in Tokyo, people are more wanting to talk to the people they go there with. Right. But I think that's the, you know, having a, sta- a very small standing bar is quite important. Like, kind of lends that self to being quite sociable. But maybe that's an Osaka design philosophy, right? You design the bar to facilitate conversation yeah. because that's what people who go to the bar want to yeah. have. Yeah, it's yeah. significantly smaller than Tokyo. So, of course, you can walk around Osaka, no problem. Right. And um, like go to these places so I guess they haven't really kind of got the competition and, and there is a more of a community perhaps um, right, because right. they're closer together yeah I mean like uh, localized places in Tokyo Tokyo is so big that there are, there are lots of different little scenes everywhere mm-hmm. exactly. they're all completely separate from each other yeah I've also I don't know whether this is true or not but I have heard people say that customers in Osaka are much more price conscious than customers in Tokyo interesting was it significantly cheaper or basically the same it didn't feel any cheaper it was depending on the, the place the standing bar that we went to was very very like reasonably priced um the other the more kind of uh tokyo style bar kind of like food and um beer together was a bit was exactly the same price as tokyo. <coughs> but yeah, but yeah it's, i think it's a good it's definitely a different vibe to say when you come here where well, Sakamichi has got more of a community vibe, but I guess mm. other places you go, their clientele must. There's not so many regulars, I think, for a lot of places. So people come in and go out. So they don't know people. They're just dropping in once a month or even less. But there, are, there, I think maybe people are more regulars because there's less choice. Mm. Definitely, there's less choice there than here. I think, and you might have to travel a bit further to get to those kind of places. So yeah, I've noticed sometimes that. Um maybe on a, a busy Saturday afternoon in here, people do send, tend to sit in the groups that they came with. And uh, 
No, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all, but they'll come with a group of friends, maybe one or two or three or four people. They'll sit together, they'll have a few drinks together and have a very good time. But if there is one very sociable person in here who is kind of flitting around the groups or encouraging intra-group communication, that can completely change the dynamic, right? It only takes one Osakan to go up to a group of people they don't know and start a conversation. And before you know it, everybody in here is chatting with each other. And it's a very different vibe. And they're both really enjoyable. They're both great. But it's amazing what a big difference just one person can make. Mm. I mean, the vibe in the cities is very, very different, as I'm sure most people listening would know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Osaka is a very, very fun city. I think that's why we go back there every year. Riding on the train in Osaka feels a bit like being in a cocktail party, doesn't it? With the kind of hum of conversation that's going on compared to the absolutely silent Tokyo trains. Yeah, uh, so in addition to the cool craft beer places that we went, a um, little bit off topic, but we also went to a, a place called Animatronic Dinosaurs. Um, Jurassic Park. It's just called Dinosaur. Okay. And it's in uh, Shinsaibashi. It was recommended to me by like my significant other, but uh, I rode an animatronic dinosaur in there. Um, it was great. I'd describe it as Velocirapture. And like you could uh, <laughs> play pool, do karaoke, and interact with the dinosaurs. It's great. Um, well worth a visit. Thank you for listening. Which, yeah. Dinosaur, yeah, which dinosaur was the best pool player? Uh, the uh, Triceratops was a bit of a dark horse. Mm, interesting. Absolutely fleece linden. It felt like being in that, there's kind of a 90s TV show where there was like a dinosaur family. Yep. I forgot the name of it. I think it was called Dinosaurs. It was called Dinosaurs. <laughs> but it kind of felt like being in that. And kind of weird that Neil, at some point, we were playing pool and Neil kind of went off to the side and he was riding, paid some money to ride said dinosaur. And it was quite a strange experience to see him really. He was, yeah, he was enjoying it a lot. I've never been so happy with it. Except when I'm drinking um, Primo Diablo. Well, it sounds like a very fun trip. Thank you for your uh, Jurassic recommendations. Dan, do we have anything coming up in the fridge or on taps this weekend that you think people should know about? Oh boy, do we. Uh, on tap, we're putting on a, a Halloween uh, playlist of beers, including Baird's Country Girl Kabucha Ale, yep. Pumpkin Ale. That's yep. a great beer. No spices in it, uh, but that's just a great pumpkin ale. Really oh, subtle pumpkin character. Uh, yeah, that's a nice one. Um, also coming into the fridge, we have a pumpkin beer from Clown Shoes. It's a beer called, uh, oh goodness, what is it called? Uh, pumpkin Sombrero Stout, I think. It's their Mexican chocolate stout, but this time with pumpkin added to it. Right. So that should be pretty good. Uh, we're also getting a hazy double IPA from Revision. I mean, that's what they do. That's going to be great. It's really? called Snarf Snarf. Okay, so it's a Thundercats beer. <laughs> it's got a shark, sharks on it, I think, like an underwater scene. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we do have a bunch of different Halloween beers coming up because this weekend hmm. is Spookamichi. Yeah, I know you're all excited for that. I am. Um, if you shop in costume, your first Oni Cohen is 500 yen. Um, we'll have Halloween candy for the kids. We'll have spooky music. Dan and I will both be in costume. Uh, and we have a, a, a variety of different uh, terrifying beers to put on the menu. The one I, that I'm particularly looking forward to is Stone's. Buena Vesa. Mm. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Buena Vesa, which is a salt and lime lager from Stone, which has a cool skull motif on the label. Very delicious. Sold. 
Anyway, so uh, that starts from 12 o'clock on Friday, finishes 10 o'clock on Sunday. Should be a good time. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks very much for listening today, everyone. I've been Matthew Boynton. We've been joined by Neil Halloween. Neil, final word, phrase, noise? Ooh, shit. Thank you very much, Owen Osaka. What's your final noise? Enjoy. And Daniel Bellamy, whose signature noise is... Number one Halloween fan. We will see you again next week.